Hello, everyone. Welcome to From Know to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, professor of English and philosophy. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover on the show, feel free to email us at fromnowertonothingpodcast at gmail.com or contact us on our Facebook page. From very early in human history, we have identified order in the universe. Our ancestors looked into the sky and saw orderly constellations in the randomly scattered stars. And while we know the constellations are objectively fictitious, there are other examples of order which do not seem invented by humans, such as the ripples on a compound when a pebble is dropped into it, a head of Romanesco broccoli, or even the planets orbiting the sun. Far from being only a natural phenomenon, order is also an integral part of nearly all human institutions. So today we ask, what is the character of order? Uh, lovely question. <laughs> so like you said before we got up here, um, we've already done a whole podcast on order <laughs> before we started. It just wasn't in front of the microphone. Yep. So, um, I and I'm sure we're not going to rehash any of that because that's just not the way we do that's things. Not the way we, so, we'll, so we'll see where it goes, but I, th- I think it's going to be interesting based on the conversation we just had. So, what is order? An illusion, my friend. No, that's <laughs> uh, um, it is so many things. So, rather than just dive into the etymology, pick let's just pick at uh, as unto a house sparrow on a bird feeder. Let's chew a few seeds. So pick some uses of the word order. We hear law and order all the time in political discourse. We'll get to that one. I'm putting that up. I'm just like Tony Stark right now. I'm putting these things up in the air, right? We we like to order things. We, we will order things or, or we will fill somebody else's order. So there's a transactional thing. There's a transactional there's a different kind of transactional order or well, following orders or giving orders. So there's a hierarchical kind of thing going on. Then we have religious orders, uh, which are people uh, focused on uh, the same practice of the same discipline within a certain theological position. And then we have the order of the universe and so on. So uh, we are obsessed as human beings with this word. Uh, ordinal has to do with numeric representation. If we get into the etymology, um, you know, the, the order was uh, equated with the word estate, uh, regulation, uh, rule, the re- in the 12th, 13th century, and so on, that's the religious order of monks and nuns and so on. You go back, and it's... Uh, Ranks, which is a word you're familiar with. <laughs> and, and how would the army be without ranks? Uh, would the army be? Right. Yeah. Without ranks. Um, lines, series. Um, in, in science, you, you have orders of being and, and hierarchical representations, kingdom, phylum, and so on. And then there's this wonderful word where it really begins with is the primordial. Hmm. Primordial means uh, 
back to the beginning of the weave, because in an etymologically speaking order was also a term used in weaving as you're putting the loom, you're laying out the wool on the loom. Hmm. So, so primordial is, is, is about, um, the stuff that happens before the order exists. And, and there's no real etymological basis for the word primordial, except that it just pops up. And that seems appropriate. It doesn't. <laughs> Man, there's a lot in there. I did not know primordial was related to the word yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's a just such a perfect description too because you know if if you ever look at any piece of cloth right you always go well how did they start this right yep. how did this yep you know i i can look at the weave and i can understand the pattern of the weave but i don't know how they started to weave it have you ever watched weaving yeah i've seen on, some on of looms and museums and so on yeah. or, or practicing artists it's amazing. It hmm. makes one want to sit down at the minute. It's this incredible machine. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're large. It's just a thump of the, the, the pattern of one line at a time. Oh, now that line didn't work quite right. Pull it out. You can, you can understand why the, the idea of the fates arose, the, the, uh, the three sisters with their scissors. Uh, Disney did it in the Hercules movie, right? Oh, there's the thread of your life. Oh, snap. <laughs> um so anyway yeah no I, that's a perfect beginning to talking about it i love it so what what are some of the initial philosophical reflections on order in history has anybody talked about it earlier on yes aristotle talked about it and and the thing that um to me is is interesting uh regarding it is that Aristotle was laying out a uh, a stack of being. Really, it was a, a more of a plan for how we would organize things in discussions about what we now call science. Hmm. Um, and and so I I think that um, there was a there was a quotation I wanted to deliver by philosophy and all my stacks of stuff. Uh, uh, it, it was to start out with the arrangement of philosophy itself. Uh, so uh, a subject area. It, it, it didn't all happen at once like this, but this is where it was going. You're, you're breaking it down, highlighting how is this subject related to yet distinct enough from another subject. And so you can have a multi-dimensional, which is what has happened over over lots and lots of time, um, organization of things. You can have a linear order, uh, the arrow of time, which now quantum physics and so on are sort of dismantling that that Robin Hood-like arrow flying through space. You you can have a spatial order, um, family trees. Uh, people who like to to engage in genealogy. It's an attempt to put order on the chaos of one's family, and yet very few people could ever trace everybody. They're always lost branches, <laughs> right? Well, if you've ever had trees or tended trees or been around trees, you know there are lost branches all the time. Wind comes along, breaks a branch down, and comes snap. The tree grows differently because of, because of that, and. 
and so does the the family tree. Oh, suddenly you find something that wasn't. But are we sure about that? No, we've got to check our information. So that's all of it. We were talking before. This is one thing that we were talking beforehand that 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 comes to mind. This this idea of maybe, maybe not. It's 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 a line, you know, comedy about Shakespeare plays that tries to reflect Hamlet's existential quandary to be or not to be and and the, the players uh, have the audience shout maybe maybe not maybe it's, it's all goofy and it's fun but then you think about it every single time well will this will this limb fall a limb falls off a tree it lands on on another branch it sort of straddles the branch you look up that's a pretty heavy limb but i can't even i don't have a ladder that's going to get up there is that going to fall off on me Maybe, but it's a pretty heavy wind blowing. It's just sort of twisting around. I guess I won't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And I've got a few of those around the, where I, you know, the property in which I live. In there, and and one tries to steward these things, but then you forget them. Sometime one of those branches is going to fall down and whack me in the noggin. <laughs> I have a Muslim friend from way back in the past who would, would say, and you're supposed to say thank you when that happens because it's God reminding you to pay attention. I think it's the universe telling you things happen, because no matter how much we try to put order on things, chaos reigns. Yeah, and I think that that is sort of exemplified by um, these scientific categorizations. Right? And the wanderings I just did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much you try to categorize or isolate different scientific orders of things. There tends to always be overlap, right? If you, if where you think of the examples that Aristotle was listening about, you know, plants or animals or stuff, you can trace it back until there comes a point where you go, well, is this a plant or an animal? And you throw it into one category or the other, but really it's almost just sort of a, you know, you get down to the um, a moss or a fungi or, or something and you go, well, man, we're really splitting hairs here, you know, like, and that kind of reveals the illusion of order in the fact that um, there comes some points with the categorization where it breaks down. Order right. is certainly, yeah, there is. And, and order is certainly helpful. I shouldn't even say certainly. Order seems to be helpful. Order is absolutely vital in architecture. You can build incredibly, incredibly compelling structures that don't look like they should stand, but they stand because there's an order to the foundational basis of how those materials are put together. Um, law and order. You know, I get tired of that phrase because law first, and that's not because it's the TV series that just goes on endlessly. It's because, because it's, and it's, 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 it's an attempt to fool people as far as I'm concerned. And I don't, I don't say that glibly, but you know, it's an attempt to give people the notion that there is, there is an, a harmonious, unchanging uh, state of being, wherein if everyone just adhered to it, there'd be nothing but peace, as if it's outside of us. Mm-hmm. But law is developed by human beings. And it changes, and it's micromanaged, and it, it, it's, it's adjusted to uh, where dominant groups of people in any culture say, this is what the law should be. And then to support themselves, they go back to sacred texts 
and say, look at this. This is the word of God. Therefore, this must be the law. And again, never, ever, I, I'm not bashing practitioners of religion, people of faith. But for me, as one thinking human being who says, well, pretty much we, div we told the stories, we made the books. If the word of God is the word of God, it is heard in somebody's mind, then everyone's asked to accept that that is the word of God. There's a fundamental faith right at the beginning that has to happen. Where anybody says something in any other book, well, no, that's blasphemous because that's because God didn't say that. And you can't help but being a sort of a tricksterish person say, how do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> how do you know what God says and what God says? What if I'm out in the, everyone talks about nature being, you know, so often people still, I've, I've got to get out into nature. We're in nature all the time. We, mm -hmm. we, we modify it. We block it. We, we, you know, nature, you can't, <laughs> we wreck it. We are wrecking it. We are still trying to steward it. We're doing all those things at the same time counterproductively. But it's a constant wrestling with, okay, what should the order be now? What can the law be now? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because um, if, you know, <laughs> if you're deciding what God did and didn't say, then who's – is it God that's saying it, right? Yeah. That's kind of the, the question. Yeah. And I, um, as far as the political part of it, I just finished reading uh, – Machiavelli's The Prince for the first oh, time. Oh, and oh so, you isn't know, that an amazing piece of work? <laughs> yeah, and so Machiavelli, you know, Machiavellian has such this, such a pejorative um, use yeah, to it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I curiosity finally got the better of me. I go, well, I got to read this thing because I'm, you know, I'm curious. And I was a little bit surprised because I'd say probably 85% of the book is really just sound governing principles. Mm -hmm. But then there's 15% of it that is either amoral or immoral in such a way that you go you know what how did he not realize what he was saying here and the reason for it is is that he's looking at it from a prince's perspective mm -hmm. right and that's an important part of creating laws and political and social order is that it's always going to be biased by the people who are creating it and so you can carry that into your religious arguments as well to an extent you know you go okay well you can say that that something is the word of god right but then if you have a council and everybody sort of votes on what it said well you go well who is saying it then right so this idea of order right where does it stem from i think the next kind of the the question that is that we're getting at that we haven't asked yet is when we look at you know the two examples right architecture you can like you said, you can create something that is magnificently orderly and looks impossible, even though it, it, it has this, you know, this order to it. And then you look at a, a platypus and you go, well, I don't even know how to categorize this thing. It doesn't <laughs> seem to have any order to it at all. Is order inherent in the universe or is it something that humans are imposing upon it? That's a Well, for a simple man, me, that's not. A simple question, um, because I, I read in cosmology and cosmogony and all kinds of other things, and you notice you do just wide reading and you experiencing things. And I mean, it, uh, 
there's an interesting mediator, which is technology. Um, a mediative point that constantly shifts. Um, so, uh, is there order in the universe? Well, there seem to be physical laws. And they've been intuited and then uh, through observation deduced and so on. But those seem to keep shifting. Not entirely. Gravity is gravity. We, you know, it, we haven't learned how to control gravity <laughs> yet. Uh, but how things were supposed to be according to the idea of order that we had for the universe. And again, I'm saying this as a... When I was a kid, there was one galaxy. Hmm. When I was a little little kid. Yeah. Right? Imagine my surprise over the years. <laughs> the, the infinitude that we... Uh, encounter and and that has you you can't look at that no, no change that you must at some point look at those things that have been observed and how the order has changed to realize that order is always changeable yeah that's that's the important thing right because i think that i think there are certain things you can look at and you can definitely say okay um Humans are making order out of something that, that doesn't appear to have an order. But if you, you go beyond that, there are some things where you go, well, this appears to have a natural order. And I think, like you said, you can sort of strip away that illusion on most things, but you get back to the physical laws, like you were saying, and you go, well, these appear to be orderly. And then you trace them back in time to a point, you go, well, actually, in the first plonk second, of the universe the laws of physics themselves changed but but gravity might have been the same and then you go well maybe gravity yep. changed and you go well i think what it comes down to right the final question of whether or not order is an inherent part of the universe is if mathematics is immutable right <laughs> and i think that you know, I think that it's taken for granted that it is, but I think the fact that there are still mysteries surrounding the origin of the universe suggests that maybe there comes a point at the very, very beginning where even mathematics might break down. Because that's what happens is when you start to get the infinities or the zeros in the math, what that generally means in, in theory is not that infinity or zero exists, but just that the theory or the math that you're using breaks down and you need something to go beyond. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there, there are certain physicists who would say, yeah, you're, you're in the camp. Let, let's go to something really, really uh, simple that many people, including me, are complaining about a lot these days. Driving. Now, this, this, is, the, this is on the ground, literally. It's <laughs> a bad pun, right? It's, so, so we arrange things so that there's, there's a high, there are highways, there are roads, there are, there are dirt roads, there are paved roads, there are super highways, and so on. So there's an order of, a hierarchical order of how many, much traffic can be on certain roads. We make rules about traffic. But those, the rules now are certainly not the rules when the Model T emerged because of what speed it could do and how many people had few people have cars and so on. 
they are out there. There are rules to the road. We learn them. We have to learn them in order to get a license. Sometimes we get on the road and we probably shouldn't have gotten the license. Somebody was nice to us. Somebody overlooked some mistake that we made. Sometimes people don't overlook a mistake and people get upset at the driving of the person who issues the okay or not for you to have a license. So there's all that social mess going on in there. But we have rules. And then we get out on the road and realize first, not everyone follows the rules. None of us follow the rules exactly all the time. Every one of us could get a ticket multiple times during the day for mistakes that we make on the highway. Uh, we get lucky if we don't, or we, we have a certain group and we don't get targeted as much as other groups do. Uh, so that, that's all chaos on the order of the highway. There's a speed limit. Well, okay, it's a limit. But it doesn't limit a whole lot of people who say, no, I can go more, I can go faster than that. I can go out around you, dive in front of you on a lane, go back out into the next lane, weave around, and cause the potential chaos of loss of lives. Uh, because I don't care, because I just got to get there, and because I'm such a great driver, I can do it. People who do that are engaged in the chaos, the, the narcissistic chaos of not paying any attention to what's going on around them thinking that they're superhuman and they can just survive it. Or they're so egomaniacal that they can just drive better than anybody. And, and But they're not thinking, because you can't anticipate something every single driver is doing in a stack of 60 cars and, and just in the space of a mile. Hmm. Right? So we think we have an orderly highway, but of course we have police to monitor this. But of course police can't monitor all of it. We don't have enough police and it's, good. it's just as well. I don't want a police car every mile because that would mean we were living in a police state. So the order depends upon the ability of the individual to adhere to the rules. And some of the people who make the loudest noise about wanting a country filled with law and order are the same people, you see the bumper stickers on the back of them, who are breaking laws right, left, and center. Why? Because they have a right to, because they're what, American? Because it's, it's breaking rules is the thing that we do? To the, to, uh, you know, so all of that is bound up in just driving down the highway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so you look at it, if you look at it global, you zoom out far enough, it can appear very orderly but then when you sort of zoom in on any specific traffic situation you're going to see the order being broken constantly and that sort of is a good um analogy for physics right you zoom out far enough and um like i said we're sitting in this room and everything appears very orderly but like we were talking about last week you know this table's mostly empty space mm -hmm. right so if I zoomed in far enough, this table would be extremely chaotic. Yet when I zoom out far enough, it appears completely stable. Mm -hmm. It was built by my, you know, grandparents 60 years ago. It's remained the same ever since. You know, there's changes here and there, but the table itself has remained sturdy. But all of the electrons and protons and quarks and everything that make it up are completely chaotic, right? Huh. So... This idea of is order inherent in the universe or is it something humans impose upon it? I, I lean towards it being something that is imposed upon it by the human sensory phenomenological I hold that with you, yes. I think that if there was a way to demonstrate that, that mathematics were completely immutable, then there might be, you know, I think that even then mathematics is an abstract concept versus a concrete, um, 
Well, that's its own argument, right? Is mathematics a concrete part of reality or is it just an abstract symbolic representation? Um, but it, that, that complicates the question. Um, so now I'm going to ask you a very complicated question and I, I can rephrase it if you need to, but does the concept of order lack any meaning if it's divorced from the idiosyncratic criteria from which a philosopher starts? So, can any general criteria suffice to describe what order is, or is it completely based on the situation in which you find yourself or which you're reasoning from? I, I think it's closer to being <clears throat> based on the context. If you're talking about an order in nature, and there are those who are saying there, there aren't simple orders in nature, that, that the Linnaean model uh, distorted, uh, maybe even intentionally, but certainly unintentionally to some extent, distorted because it overlaid political and social viewpoints about male and female onto the, onto the system. So, but you, if you talk about the order, order on a highway, you're talking about different than order on what's of, of a speciation and of, of the kingdom phylum and so on. Um, so that's contextual. And the, and the order that is inherent in the gravitational, well, not inherent. I say we use these terms yeah. as if we're sure. Um, that once seemed to be how a galaxy was supposed to work. Well, the, just the phrase supposed to is based on what? It's based on, observation of other galaxies yeah it comes in i keep what keeps popping into my head is that that word primordial right the beginning of the the loom we don't bother to examine the beginning of the loom we just presuppose what it was like based off of the weave in many cases uh, and we mentioned yes and we mentioned the origins uh, did a smattering of origin stories last week right but um in in the beginning of whatever the beginning was in creation stories i think the essence is that something whether prime being whether i am that i am whether yahweh whether great spirit whatever endless names there was a science fiction story called the nine billion names of god hmm. and a computer arthur clark and a uh, arthur c clark and a a machine was set to recite all of them, find all the names. And once all the names had been spoken, then the universe would end. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe we shouldn't speak all the names. You're not allowed to speak some of the names. But but the, the point is, it's something of darkness, a void, smoky indistinctness. Choose your vision. But it existed, but then something emerged that said, no, I'm separating this from that. I'm separating the waters from the land. I'm, sep I'm separating darkness and creating light to, to mediate the darkness. And, you know, people speak about God being unchanging and always there and everything. Well, it's, the very beginning of the story belies that for me. Yeah, because otherwise there wouldn't be a story, right? But God decided to do something. 
that's changingness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and so order, uh, let, let's say a supernatural being creates an order. It's an order that is uh, of that supernatural being. We'll go that far. I'm saying, what if? Okay. But it's not our order because we are not supernatural beings. And if we're part of the thing that the supernatural being created, and we aren't the supernatural being, and we can't possibly perceive everything, so we can't we can't see the order. Now there are people who say you're not supposed to see the order. You're supposed to just take it on faith. There are people who say you don't ask the questions. You just live. But many of us can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that I think that gravity is a great example, right? Because Newtonian, you know, Newton came up with gravitational principles, and for hundreds of years they. Ex they just explained everything so well that people thought physics was done. That was the end of it. Like, yeah. hey, we figured it out. We figured out the universe, everybody. Now all we have to do is live in it. Yep. Kind of like uh, finishing an RPG video game and then just <laughs> running around in the sandbox world, right? <laughs> well, then Einstein comes along and, you know, special relativity. He has just was just masterful at taking these complex physics and putting them into illustrations that anybody can understand right and so the train right if you are an observer standing outside watching a train ride past at 60 miles an hour um and you see somebody carrying a tray of drinks and then as the train is is riding past you you see this person drops the drinks you never see the drinks hit the ground because the train is going so fast mm -hmm. all you see is the tray tip and that's all, that's all you see from your perspective. But if you're inside the train, you see the tray of drinks fall and shatter all over the floor. And then for the next 15 minutes, people are cleaning them up. And you have no perception of moving 65 miles an hour, right? Because of your, your frame of perspective, right? You are on the train, so your speed is zero. You are just sitting in a seat. But you're not. You're moving. 60 65 miles an hour the observer outside the train thinks that he is standing still and that the train is moving well you know einstein essentially with that illustration is saying we're on the earth you and i are sitting in this studio and we think our speed is zero <laughs> right but yes. the earth is rotating yep and the sun is rotating around the galaxy and the galaxy is rotating around a supercluster and the supercluster is is rotating and we everything. are all falling through space at impossible speeds right and so, all of a sudden, you know, that illustration combined with the physics that, that Einstein developed makes you go, well, in that case, our idea of order is relativistic, right? So, I think that this question, does order lack any meaning if it's divorced from the situation? Yeah, I think that it, it does lack meaning if you're, you know, to try to say, well, is there an overarching order? You and I were, were talking about this before the show, um, Stephen Hawking's last theory on the universe. And essentially, the big takeaway from that, right, is that throughout most of physics, um, physicists have looked at the universe and said, you know, look how orderly everything is. You know, what are the chances that things would be this orderly? Oh, they're right. so infinitesimally small. The you know, like, principles. we need to find yeah. out why 
our universe is the way that it is if the chances of it being this way are so infinitesimally small. And Hawking's final theory essentially says, no, the entire thing is just chaos, but it's our chaos, so we say that it's order. (laughs) (laughs) And what is that if not a relativistic view on what order is, right? He said, if you wound back the clock to the beginning of time and you ran it forward again, it would not look this way. It would look very different. And if you ran it back, um, you know, in in million times, it would be different every single time. So he said, it is chaos. The whole thing is chaos. But since to us, since we are here, we perceive the steps that got us here as being a type of order because we are imposing that on the universe. And, And we impose that in every aspect of our lives. Um, people could argue that we'd be paralyzed otherwise. Um, I went to a, <clears throat> uh, a hospital uh, yesterday, and well, you know, there was a bunch of eye tests and so on. You, you walk in the door, there are signs. Go this way. There's waiting room one, waiting room two, waiting room three. You want to be in waiting room four. That's where the eye patients are. And then people come out and call your name. Some people you go in this door. Some people go in that door. It seems chaotic. But there's a system in place, but it gets botched up immediately when somebody comes out and says, uh, George, nobody stands up. Nobody moves. George? Uh, George R? Because <laughs> thank you, because maybe there's more than one George. Nobody's moving. Somebody, the person orderly, uh, orderly, mm-hmm. right? The, the orderly. <laughs> Shrugs shoulders and goes back to a desk, comes back and says the next name. Then a few minutes later, somebody else comes out and says that. And the person's walking in and says, what? George, what? Come in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's never happened to me before. The guy said, I've I've, I've just walked into the waiting room. Come in now. (laughs) You know, and and then people say, well, why does he get to go in? Because we've been sitting here for a long time. So there's a chaos yeah. An utter human chaos. I'm, I'm upset. I don't want to. How come I can't go in? And somebody goes up and, and, and talks to the orderly and says, why didn't my appointment happen? Your doctor is giving you different tests than, than the person. And <laughs> yeah, it's, we've talked about this in the past in relation to physics and, um, you know, evolution and, and that sort of thing, which is that it's the, um, you know, the sort of obvious obfuscated view that order is born out of complexity. And that's not the case, right? Order and complexity are separate concepts um, that sometimes interrelate, but not always, right? And this, so, and it's very evident in situations like you just mentioned, because, you know, you can have a hospital and the bigger the hospital, the more complex, you know, four waiting rooms, right? Oh, wow. It's very complex, but it seems to be orderly until, like you said, George is in waiting room two instead of four or yeah, something like yeah. that. Uh, I, I remember a comedian, Mitch Hedberg, he had a joke. Uh, you know, you go to a restaurant and they say, Dufresne, party of two. And then if they don't show up, they just move on to the next one. Bush, party of four. You know, well, what about the Dufresnes? <laughs> you know, they're probably in somebody's trunk and they're hungry. You know, Bush, party of four, party of four. You get to find the Dufresnes, then you get to eat, you know? And, uh, it, yeah. and 
on a on a darker side, um, you think some of the most horrifying works I've ever read are from Franz Kafka, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, most of his books revolve around this idea of order, complete order, imposed in such a way that um, nothing ever happens. The trial, right? The castle, mm-hmm. where you know it's you start out with a normal guy who's trying to do a normal thing, and then just gets lost in this bureaucratic machinery that's so complex um and that you know the the thing about complexity is the more complex something is the less the smaller the thing is that you need to gum up the entire system right scotty in star trek uh, in one of the movies jimmy doohan has this marvelous line uh he 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 sabotages the engine on a, a, a newer starship because it, it's it, so that it can't catch the Enterprise because the Enterprise is being stolen by Kirk and company for various reasons. But when the, the bigger starship is starting to chase him and it just breaks down, Scotty has three three small pieces of equipment in his hand and he pops them into Captain Kirk's and he said, and it says, the more they complicate the plumbing, the easier it is to stop up the drain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you just said, basically. Yeah, yeah. And so that would be, an, you know, complexity could be its own podcast, really. But, you know, that's, I think that's the important thing. When we're looking at the big picture, whether it's, you know, the origins of the universe or the origins of, of life or these sorts of things. Um, and we look at the human being, we go, whoa, look how... Look how complex it is. We're the most orderly creature in the universe. Well, no, we, you know, no. complexity and order. There are, you know, there are, uh, I think a potato has more DNA, you know, more <laughs> DNA than we do, right? But so complexity and order are separate things and order is context specific. And, and mutable, meaning, meaning changeable. And you read Machiavelli and Machiavelli uh, at one point um, in The Prince, there's a, a, a discourse, discursive set of paragraphs that that are completely contemporary in the sense of being relevant to us. And it's about how people um, tend to avoid change because they are afraid of change. And so it takes a long time. And people will immediately default to the idea that there is a natural order, male and female, <laughs> even though for thousands of years, many cultures have had as many as five to 12 genders. That's wrong. That can't be it's either male or female because it's only on or off. It's only one or zero. You know, it's, it's the, this whole um, bifurcated dualistic um, uh, approach. And, and people who are incapable of embracing or are so afraid of embracing uh, difference use order as as an artificial defense mechanism. Order as in the order that we think existed best in our own lives, and therefore it should be the order everyone has, because otherwise it wouldn't be order. But of course that order 
does not exist in the simplistic fashion that, that they want to because order is mutable. Look at this, this the state of our laws. Yeah. This, 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 yesterday, a judge uh, abrogated uh, a state law, the, the validity of a state law in Mississippi that said that people who had done their prison time for certain felonies could still not vote. Crimes such as bigamy or thievery. But the law was written a long time ago, a century and uh, not a half, but a century and change ago. And it was written with the phrase to maintain white supremacy. Mm. And the judge wrote in the decision, you can read about it, it's in the paper, the judge wrote in the decision that um, it is clear that American understanding of law, of your rights after you have been in prison, and of not maintaining white supremacy. Uh, clearly point to that law is no longer relevant. And I'm saying, yay for the judge. But there are people who are saying, the judge has created disorder. It was a perfectly fine law in 1891. <laughs> Should hold now, too. <laughs> and that, to me, that just points to the idea you have to be flexible on what order means. There are people who never want anybody to protest, ever. That's disorder. It's breaking things, or it, it's it's breaking the peace, or people should just, oh, because your life is fine, you don't have anything to protest about, that doesn't mean that other people don't. And the inherent laws of our country, the law and order, says that there can be protests. <laughs> you know, so people take the word order and they mush it into something that it doesn't necessarily mean. Yeah. Yeah, and I think some of it has to do with the context of the situation, um, which is going to come into play with this next question I'm going to ask. How should we, how should we view order and chaos? How should we, how should we make use of the two concepts together? I think we should recognize that we already do. I think that it's, <clears throat> I think it's just a, a uh, a cultivated ability to recognize uh, because let's take something as simple as a theme park, a water park. What do we go to a water park to do? What do we go to a theme park to do? Some people want to get on a carousel. Some people want to get on a roller coaster. Why? Why do we get on roller coasters, Joel? <laughs> I don't. Feel chaos. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't. I've ridden one once, uh, and I, I don't want to go on it again. But some people do. What? <gasps> to shriek, to yell, to release whatever. That's chaos, right? That's experiencing. But it's a controlled chaos, mostly, sometimes, seriously, grim, not. Uh, you are essentially inviting chaos. <laughs> and therefore, you are essentially taking a risk of statistically controlled, uh, statistically uh, probably safe risk, nonetheless, 
Um, and so there's that maybe, maybe not going on in the universe. Maybe the roller coaster breaks down. Maybe the roller coaster stops and I'm dangling upside down as some people were recently for a few hours. Upside down until they could be rescued. They got more chaos than they were asking for. But that's just one example of why do people drive 70 miles an hour? Maybe some need to get someplace they think so, so badly that it's worth breaking the laws. But they, of course, justify it to themselves. Maybe some are just thrill seekers. Why does Tom Cruise make movies where guys jump off and motor? But, you know, the, 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 lots of people uh, uh, parasail. Lots of people, uh, what's it called? Uh, not cave diving, but um, oh, there's, there's a name. Of, uh, and they take risks. They encounter chaos. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, they yeah, have the order they, of the parachute on their back, but they're still right. challenging I, the universe. Yeah. I think this idea of order and chaos, right? I think that it's there's this sliding scale, the risk versus reward or, or the chances, right? I just watched um, Oppenheimer in the movie theater and, and hmm. You know, they're about to do the atomic bomb test in New Mexico for the first time. And the general who's in charge of the project, Oppenheimer makes a remark and the general goes, wait a minute. Are you saying if this bomb goes off, there's a chance that the chain reaction doesn't stop and we blow up the entire world? And he goes, well, it's not zero. <laughs> you, know? and you see the look on the general's face, right? And you go, no matter how small the chance is, there's the chance, right? The um, same thing is true with the Hadron Collider. Yeah. But I still, I have my personal theory. We all have these little nuggets. Mine is that when the Hadron Collider was fired up around uh, 2015, <laughs> that we, we went into an alternate place. Our Earth went into that, but the, the chances of, what was it, 10%, something like 10, 8 or 10%, that it might have s swallowed the Earth up into a black hole. Maybe it freaking did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 10%, 8% chance, the world took a risk, and the world didn't have a choice in that. Right, right. Nobody, nobody got to vote on it, right? And so I think that, there's the narrative, right? And this is, again, including humans in all of it, right? The atomic bomb, the Hadron Collider and stuff. But you don't need humans for it. You can look at just the regular n universe that we live in, and there's things like this. Um, for instance, the universe is not in a vacuum state. And so, according to the laws of physics, um, things are always trying to get to the lowest energy state. So at any moment, the universe could revert to a complete vacuum state, and then at the speed of light, everything would come to an end. Yes. We could be sitting here, and then before we knew it, there'd just be nothing, right? That, that doesn't take human, any effort on the human part. That would just be there. In the order of the universe, gamma rays of extraordinary proportions are cast off by certain bodies. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the gamma radiation of that immensity 
because radiation passes through us all the time. We have particles passing through us all the time. We, <laughs> we are constantly bombarded. But if we were bombarded enough, we'd be done within a snap. And I, and I, and, and so you, you see that, as you just said, that has nothing to do with humanity. That's just the, the cold universe out there. All right. Then we are constantly at the whim of chaos and we create order just enough to, to assuage us. It's like putting a blanket over ourselves and telling ourselves there are no monsters in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> but <you> there know, <laughs> are. <laughs> yeah. Just like the example that you used earlier, it happened to me yesterday. Um, me and Amanda were on our way to get groceries and, in the other lane, there was a semi coming, and then the driver behind the semi had been dry, tailgating the semi far too close to him. And so as a result, he, I don't think he could see anything else, no. but he decided he was sick of following the semi, so he pulled out to pass him directly into our lane. And there was a moment where I thought it was going to be inevitable we were getting in a head-on accident. And it was a 55-mile-an-hour zone, so, you know, there's a very good chance you're dead at that point. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, what happened? I followed all the rules. The rules exist. The order exists. I, I followed the, the rules. I fell into order. Um, and this chaotic thing happened, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the whole point of this podcast, right? That what we've been talking about is that this entire idea of order is illusory. And at, at best, it only exists in abstraction from context to context. It's something that we impose on the universe, mm -hmm. but since we ourselves are not completely orderly, the order never works out 100% the way that it's supposed to. Yeah, it's mutable. It constantly changes. So, yeah, man, this this is a fun one, and I think that it opened up some avenues for some interesting discussions in, in the future. Yeah. So, until next time, keep pondering.